This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, it's been a busy weekend in the world of federal politics. Charlie Angus, the Northern Ontario MP, who used to be the lead singer in a punk rock band, put his name in the hat to become the next NDP leader. Quebec MP Guy Caron just did the same. So now there are three, including BC MP Peter Julian. They say that they need to counter Trump-style populism. Will that be enough to renew their party and woo leftish voters from the Liberals? On the Conservative side on Friday, the 14, there are still 14 of them. Leadership hopefuls met in Ottawa uh, for the latest debate. And just this morning, Kevin O'Leary announced he wouldn't be at the next debate in Edmonton. He doesn't like the format. The debate is bilingual. He hasn't said that's the reason he's pulling out, but probably, likely, it is. I'm here with Jeff Silverstein, who is a political analyst with the Sussex Strategy Group. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so uh, is there anything here to get Canadians excited and engaged? Well, I think that that is really the the, the big question. I mean, this conservative leadership uh, campaign has not really generated a lot of excitement or a lot of interest. People are riveted by what's happening south of the border. The numbers uh, prove that. People are watching what's going on in the States. We're seeing press conferences broadcast every day. There are just too many people in the field, uh, I think, for Canadians to really get excited. And I think the NDP face the same challenge. Well, uh, it seems to be worse for the NDP. Their party was decimated. Uh, The Liberals kind of stole from their support because a lot of people wanted to get rid of Stephen Harper. And uh, they have no money. They need a fundraise. I think that they're in a a very difficult position. They really need to reinvent themselves. They saw that election slip away from them. They were in a great position, and it all unraveled toward the end. And I think that the party now needs to rethink its strategy going forward. No question about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Charlie Angus says that's what he's going to do. But again, is that going to be enough? Uh, Can he kind of glom on to... Canadians that hate Trump but are glued to him? I don't know that that'll be enough. I think that, uh, you know, I think he certainly is tapping into kind of the traditional uh, wing of the NDP party. Uh, The issues that he stands for are very sort of traditional NDP values. But I think that the NDP needs to try and capture some of that uh, voter base that's in the middle that really the, the Liberal Party were, were successful at uh, capturing. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the numbers out again. Now, we don't have calls waiting. I, one thing I do have to say here is that when we talk about Donald Trump, you should see everything. All the phone lines light up. So I, I think uh, our listeners are answering our questions uh, without calling. But I'll give the numbers out again for people who may want to talk about the hot or not so hot races here at home. The number is 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with Jeff Silverstein from the Sussex Strategy Group, and we're talking about the two leadership races on the federal scene, and those are the conservative race and the NDP race. So give us a shout uh, if you're at all engaged in this. Uh, in the meantime, we are engaged in it. And uh, the conservative race. So we had another debate with 14 people on the stage. I'm shaking my head. Well, at least this time there weren't all 14 on the same stage where the camera just kind of panned from one to the other across the stage and kind of left you feeling a bit dizzy. So they broke it up. And I think that, you know, it's sort of these bite-sized debates kind of seemed to work, but I'm not sure it was the fairest approach to debating the issues because you don't have all of the candidates weighing in on the same issue. But at least, it, you know, there was some back and forth. And, uh, and that sort of turned the temperature up a little bit. But I do think that uh, Trump, as you said, is is really changing the whole way in which politics happens in this country. I mean, the way you, you sort of introdu- introduced our conversation is absolutely accurate. You know, you've got the NDP saying that they're going to be the anti-Trump. You've got the conservatives sort of uh, trying to outdo one another uh, by by you know, appealing to that sort of politics. So he's, there's no question that in the background, he has changed the game completely. Yeah, and uh, never mind what's going on in Europe. But uh, turning to those conservative candidates after this debate, has there been a change in who you perceive as the front runners? Because lately it's been Kevin O'Leary, my former co-host, a reality star like Donald Trump, and, uh, you know, very conservative uh, on money, but not on social issues. Well, he that's right. He's quite progressive on social issues. And, and that, I don't think, is a bad thing in this country. You know, he's been criticized for dipping his toe into the waters and for being an outsider and, uh, you know, doing this kind of on a whim. But, you know, you think back to uh, Trump, and I think in the early days, I, I, I really don't believe Trump ever imagined that he would win. Now, Kevin O'Leary probably thought from the very beginning that he had a, a good chance of winning. But this idea of someone coming in from the outside, in O'Leary's case, he's not a, a full-time resident of Canada, I don't see that hurting him, <laughs> that's quite ha- frankly. That's happened before. <laughs> he didn't win the election, but Michael Ignatiev sort of came home after 30 years saying, I'm here. Well, the difference, though, is Ignatiev, you know, he sort of came from a different a different background. You know, I yeah. think that what O'Leary brings to the table, and I do think he's the front runner, is that he represents that outsider, the guy that is not from the political establishment. And I think Ignatiev, uh, you know, he, he was perceived as, as being someone who, who was from that, that kind of background. 
And then uh, it, would you say that Kelly Leach is still in second place? Of course, she's famous for advocating this uh, Canadian values test. Uh, so she's kind of been the lightning rod on that. Well, I don't see her actually uh, holding that spot anymore. I think that Maxime Bernier has stepped up and, quite frankly, in the minds of most people, is a close second uh, behind O'Leary. I think that Canadians are watching uh, Kelly Leach and, and listening to her message, and I don't know that it's really resonating with Canadians. I, I just don't see that connecting with people. Uh, it, it really seems to be very uh, blatant in, in its attempt to kind of channel what Trump uh, is all about. And, and I don't see it working in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, does it have anything to do with the fact that she's a woman? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I think I like to think we've kind of moved past that. But this whole Islamophobia issue has really tripped up the conservatives in a big way. And the only person that came out a winner was Patrick Brown when the provincial liberals tried to pigeonhole him in the same way. And he said, wait a minute, hate is hate. And that, that's the right position to take, uh, full stop, in this country and in any country. And why the federal conservative candidates allowed themselves to go down that path is really beyond me. But, you know, there, it's become very, very complicated for them. And quite frankly, there's no winner. Well, it's, to me, the whole thing smacks of... Uh, number one, political correctness, and number two, it was just uh, a good political move. I, I mean, it, it, the whole thing to me seems so inauthentic. We already have laws um, that condemn that kind of uh, motivated hatred, and I agree, yeah. but they rose to the bait. I yeah, mean, look, exactly. Don't, don't forget about the, the, the context and the timing. We had a huge, massive occur- attack exactly. on a mosque in this country, and, and that's what prompted this. And so given the fact that that happened, you know, the conservatives, quite frankly, just should have let it go. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other thing that I think got a little lost in that the the mp who brought it and she read some of these hateful messages and tweets that she got but you know a lot of women politicians get that and and we need to be making more of that that to me is is a dangerous thing that is i think politicians are starting to speak up i think for a very long time they kept these things to themselves but obviously there's no room for that and i think you're right i think that uh, many of them are targeted and that needs to be that needs to be brought to people's attention. No mm-hmm. question about it. So, you know, the, a lot of the predictions were that by this time, the conservative leadership race would be shaking out, people would be dropping out. Why hasn't that happened? Well, I think that the bar is too low, uh, and I think it's proving to be a problem. I mean, 14 is just too many, and we're not that far off from May and uh, and the date that uh, a leader is going to be chosen. And it's very hard to capture people's attention when you have 14 candidates. I think we have a number of, of, of contenders and frontrunners. And the sooner that the rest of the candidates step aside, I think the better for the party. Mm-hmm. So uh, give us your ranking. Well, I think that... Uh, I think that um, uh, Kevin O'Leary and, and Maxime Bernier certainly are the front two runners. I think Michael Chong and Aaron O'Toole 
our sort of quiet, um, possibly popular second votes for many people. But uh, that's how I see it kind of playing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, how will the way those ballots are ranked play into all of this? Well, I mean, it may prove that any candidate that's that's able to persuade his fellow candidates or her fellow candidates that they, they are the popular second choice could sort of come up the middle and emerge the winner and, if and, there's not a clear winner on the first ballot. Okay. And, and at this point, you would say that person would be Maxime Bernier. I do think so. Yeah, he seems to have a really well-organized campaign. He does. I mean, English is a bit of an issue. French is an issue for for O'Leary. Um, I'm not sure, though, at the end of the day, it's 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 a huge stumbling block for either of them. Quite well, I mean, Stephen Harper didn't speak French. I've got to say hats off to Stephen Harper. Boy, did he do a great job learning it and got a lot of credit for it. That's I don't what Alluria needs to do. I don't know if Kevin has the same, uh, you know, approach to languages. Well, he is being tutored, and yeah. uh, I think that you know he's bowed out of this debate uh, in Edmonton. And well, given that he comes from Montreal and doesn't even know enough to kind of make a bit of a show, that's, I would say, not a good, uh, uh, not a good indicator of his language learning abilities, and that's something. I guess you can't control. Yeah. You know, bowing out of this debate in Edmonton is 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 not, I don't think, going to hurt him at the end of the day. I mean, there are so many of these debates, and quite frankly, he's going to be there. He's going to be talking to people. French is an issue, and it may be that he backed out because his French isn't up to scratch. But, um, you know, the format of these debates is an issue. He's He's raised that. And uh, quite frankly, the people that support him, I don't think are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to support him because he's not participating in this debate. Okay, uh, let's hear from Roger here in Toronto. Hi, Roger. Hey, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, good, thank you. Uh, okay, I'd like to talk about Kelly Leach. Yeah? Yeah. I think she's, she's the one. She's a female. It'd be nice to have a prime minister female. She tells the truth. She doesn't want much in life. She just wants face-to-face interviews which they're not really doing here, mm-hmm. if, you, if you get my uh, drift. Are you a, uh, so you think that Kelly Leach is the one? Yeah. Uh, can you, uh, are you a conservative? Are you going to be voting in this thing? Oh, yes, I'll be, I'll, I actually donated another $500 to her cause there just this morning. I threw it in the mail. I mean, I, you know, this is a Christian country. People come here, they change our rules, they do what they want, and it's not right. You know, you come in, you come with the flow. And if you have a better idea, put it into writing, and we go for it. But people that come here, they do anything they want. And then, okay, because we're Christians, like... Well, well, I mean, I think uh, people would argue, I mean, a lot of people are Christians. Uh, It was founded on... uh, Christian principles, I guess, but yeah. uh, we're not, a, you know, there's a separation of oh. church and state these days. Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, they're changing. People that come here, they change our rules. Mm-hmm. And we Christians turn our cheek and we let it go. And at the end of the day, just like this 103 thing, it should have been for the Jews, the Christians, the Protestants, the Sikhs, everybody. No, only for the Muslims. And that's what I'm saying to you guys. It's not right. Okay, Roger. Thanks for your call. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Okay, well, uh, calling about a Christian country, I don't think that anybody would identify this as a Christian country I anymore. Think, you know, I yeah. really do believe, and I think the majority of Canadians believe that diversity is our strength in this country. Uh, and uh, I don't think that uh, that will change. I think it's what sets us apart from a lot of countries around the world. We welcome people to this country. We're a country of immigrants. But we that... want. But we, what I do agree with is that we want everyone to be tolerant, and we don't want people to bring the feuds and the prejudices from the old country. Absolutely yeah. not. But I think that we've got some very strong institutions in this country that uh, have stood the test of time, and I, and I don't see them uh, under any kind of threat or in danger uh, by the sort of things that that caller was alluding to. Okay. Uh, we are out of time for this segment. Uh, what uh, would you like to leave us with? Well, I think that uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this conservative uh, leadership race plays out. But I think it's a bit of a poison chalice. Uh, I really do, in that whoever does win, uh, I don't believe stands a very strong chance of defeating uh, Trudeau in the next election. I think that the honeymoon may be over, but I really don't believe that this Trudeau government um, is is vulnerable in two years' time. I think that we're looking at six years before the Conservatives have a real shot at it. Well, two years is a lifetime in politics. It is indeed. <laughs> two months, so we, I'm sure we will chat about this many times before we get there. Jeff Silverstein, thanks so much. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.